This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to a Real Man Rib podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host from Rotowire. I'm talking with Yahoo Sports, Dalton Del Don. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, Liss. I'm uh, heading off to Sunnyvale in a couple days. Going to shoot some video for some fantasy football stuff. The Yahoo Studios. Uh, so, you know, as you know, I have a face for, for podcasts. So that should be fun. It's always fun to sit in a makeup chair. Have you ever done that before? Uh, I have sat in a makeup chair, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, of course you have. Yeah, what am I talking about? Yeah. So uh, you, you just do that for fun as well, too. But uh, so, I, so mean, I, I just think with you, they would just put a mask over your head. You know, I mean, there's no point. I mean, why would you even waste your time no it's true they're they're already prepping and they have two days in advance so uh very true but um so, th- so there's that and then uh what about yourself not not much going on in, in my neck of the woods i know you're uh you're actually traveling uh i believe tomorrow right today seven thirty tonight oh. and flying to london and then five hour labor and then uh go to finland helsinki finland so let's get a review of your uh return to the states yeah, it was pretty good. You know, L.A. is kind of hell, as I've described many times in the traffic and all that, but it was growing on me a little bit. You know, the, the states, there's a couple things about the states that are better than Portugal that are just unequivocally better. One is there's just better products. Like, Heather gets this stain remover that, I swear to God, it's an organic stain remover that no matter what you spill on your shirt, you just put it in, wash the shirt, it's gone. <laughs> this stuff is like a miracle, this thing. I guarantee someone's going to email me or tweet me after this podcast and be like, what is this product? I was going to say, well, you got to <laughs> promote it. You know? I got to look it up. Uh, I don't know. Heather's listening. She might know the name of it, but what's it called? Purity. What is it called? Puracy. I don't know what that is. P-U-R-A-C-Y. Puracy. Okay. I'm not marketing for them. They haven't paid for advertising. So I'm not going to, Heather's like, they have other products too. I don't care about their, their <laughs> line, but Puracy, I guess is what it's called. Anyway, we get this stuff every time we go in and we use it up. And once we use it up, it's really bad because then you get a stain and you're like, damn, we're out of that stuff. So like stuff like that, vitamins are much cheaper here. Just lots of stuff that, you know, you, you just, you know, vitamins are so expensive in Portugal. And so we load up on all the stuff and then we ship it. And that was a whole hassle. These giant boxes It's going to cost like 800 bucks, but it's worth it. Like a lot of our stuff. Oh, did you take care of your laptop problem? Or you, or no, you done no. I just haven't because the problem is Apple will just not make a new laptop. Everything's right. from like early 2017, the latest. So if I'm going to get something new, it's got to be something current. I don't want to buy something that's two, three years old and they just will not make a new product. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. I mean, I, I go to those Mac rumor sites. They never tell me shit. They're always like, oh yeah, don't buy this. Don't buy this. This is four years old. I want to get a Mac mini, but they haven't made one in four years. So I'm not going to do that. Um, but anyway, so, so the products are better in the U S and the, and the food in LA is just so good. I don't really, I realize I don't care about fancy food anymore. Like I have zero interest in the French laundry. I know you're proud of your meal there and you're, you know, thank you. Ah, that was a one, one time thing type deal. I know you think it makes you a real man <laughs> rather than the nutless monkey that you so obviously are, but I, I don't care about fancy food. Like I just want to cook good quality food that I buy at the farmer's market, or I want to go out to ethnic food, Chinese, Mexican, Thai, Vietnamese. You know, I have zero interest in 
fancy food. I have zero interest in even like moderately upscale restaurant food. I just don't care. I don't. I have. There's no reason to spend money on that. Well, L.A. is a good place for both or for either. I mean, yeah, so. it's got the best ethnic food in the in the right. world, in my opinion. Was the places that I've been, it's just so many good things. So that I like. And you know, we have some good friends here. It's just you know, it's it's chill. You know, the car and everything is miserable, and the traffic and the just the ugliness of it, and the crap architecture, and the fact that you just can't walk down the street and go anywhere. What about like the air? Is that different? Oh, it's, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. It's it's definitely better in Lisbon. I'm mean, not that Lisbon's great for air, but it's better than L.A. So. Yeah, I, I don't want to live here, but you know, it grew on me a little bit as I've been here. Did you enjoy, you know, seeing people that you miss, you know, friends yeah. and family? Yes, uh, okay. I did. I saw some good people that, that I'm, I'll miss. And, you know, we have friends in Lisbon, but our, our two best friends moved back to Brazil. We have some good American friends, so they're like our last ones, but they're actually moving to to, uh, to Rome in a year. So they're like work for the uh, State Department, so they, they move around. Gotcha. But anyway... Um, yeah, and, and so then the other thing, and I might have mess, mentioned this in a prior pod, but I don't know, is even just coming back through Minnesota and Wisconsin and then L.A., Vegas, in the U.S., like, people, for better or worse, true or false, maybe they're delusional, but they actually think they can get stuff done. Like, in the U.S., people think you can build a business, try something, take a risk, and I feel like Portugal's a little depressed. You know, they, they live off of tourism. There's not a whole lot of things being made there. So... There's there's a there's a little sense of that that you know there's a little bit of uh, entrepreneurship and well that is interesting because that is kind of the thing people associate with Americans and you say you, you that's noticeable to you I, I think so I mean I don't speak Portuguese very well so maybe I'm missing some stuff but you know I, I feel like the U S even though the U S has many problems there is sort of a spirit of creativity here that maybe is a little bit less in Portugal. Yeah, I mean, you're almost saying kind of broken men over there. Is that, is that what you're saying? I mean, I'm not saying they're all broken men, but there's a lot of that overeducated, not enough to do. You know, like they speak three, four languages. They're very smart. They're like, they know how to, you know, they're engineers, architects, all this stuff. But there's just not that much going on from like a, a business perspective, you know, a growth perspective, a creativity. There's art and stuff, but plenty of museums, museums for everything. I think Europe, I think these forces are, are in the U.S. too, where they're trying to like kind of squeeze, squeeze people from both sides, right? Like you have big business sort of cannibalizing everything in the U.S., Amazon and Google and Facebook buying up everything. And then you have the uh, sort of socialist wing of, you know, oh, well, we need to raise minimum wage and all that. And I, in principle, I, I think there should be a really good social safety net, though. I think it should be more universal basic income, not minimum wage, where you're basically putting all the all the honest on on the small business people usually who have to just pay these wages um, and can't afford to automate and fire the people so they just have to raise prices and then it it, it moves them you know the honest to them and to their customers rather than just give everyone basic income social security for all and that way at least like it's everybody sharing in the in the cost of a social safety net not just you know whoever's running a business so there's a lot of things here that are squeezing the small businesses and helping out the big corporations all the subsidies and the friendly uh lobbying and the and the fact that there's so much consolidation no antitrust so i feel like there's forces that are sort of trying to stamp out the last vestiges of this creativity here too but i think it still exists more than in europe where i think it's been mostly squashed hey i'm picking up exactly what you're putting down about the people over there what you're saying is in the land of the blind the one-eyed man is king right and so that's why you're heading over there (laughs) yeah exactly to uh, conquer conquer those people and subjugate them to my will no we actually might be opening a wine bar but that's that's still we're still in the early stages of that so Um, and and the portuguese are very nice and it's not a diss on them it's just more that 
It just, uh, it's just my perception. I could actually, this could all be totally wrong also. I could be totally wrong about this. But just this is my vibe is in the U.S., like, immediately I just feel people, there's more hustlers and con men here too, but it's just like more people right. think shit can get done. And that, to me, is positive. Gotcha. Agreed. Uh, so I guess, I'm guessing you're not looking forward to the travel uh, tomorrow or, or tonight, I guess, but looking forward to heading back. Uh, yeah, I, well, you know, Finland will be fine. It's kind of, it was kind of cool because it was cheap to fly there on Norwegian. It's like a shit low-budget airline. And then it was cheap to fly from Finland back to Portugal. And so we just said, okay, well, we're going to just steal a little vacation to Finland. And we only really have to go one way. We just have to go back, right? Because we had to go back to Europe one way or the other. And now we just have to go back to Lisbon from Finland, make it a triangle instead of, you know, a square. It's only three flights, basically. So it made sense, and we did it. But now I'm kind of like, really? Like, I just want to, like, get back in my routine. You know, I've been living on a guest room in Heather's mom's house for a month now. And it's like, I just want to get back in my own bed, my own routine, my own stuff. And now we got this, like, five days to, like, do this other stuff with all our bags. It's not ideal. Yeah, that's home now for you, for sure. So we haven't, uh, I, actually, I haven't been that long since we last recorded a pod, but I, I assume we should go over some sports stuff. You want to talk about the MLB trade deadline? I don't think any major... Yeah, who cares? I don't, that's just so annoying. I, I have friends and family, my team's sinking like a rock. And every time I try to pick up somebody, it's like the dude's long gone. You know, I'm just slow to the switch. At Portugal, I have an advantage because I'm up on different hours than other people. So I'll have like, you know, 45 minutes one day to just dedicate to looking at the waiver wire, seeing what's there. Sometimes I'm first to stuff there. And everyone's asleep, the games are going, I'm just quick, I'm online. But during the middle of the day in LA, I'm never the guy online grabbing the stuff. Right, well, I'm mildly happy that Wilson Ramos is headed to the, the Phillies, who might have a 125 to one bet on them to win the World Series, so. It's looking good, you can hedge, you can start hedging if they, you know, if they win the division. Absolutely, yeah, so that's, I'm um, fired up about. And speaking of which, I need Washington to, to become sellers. What is your general opinion? Actually, I'm curious, not just a, we must go over thing. Bryce Harper, uh, should the Nats deal him? Of course, well, I mean, by the time I post this, it'll either, you know, deadline's yeah. coming up in 40 minutes, so I It's okay, think, your opinion, it's fine, your yeah, opinion. My, of course, of course they should. A hundred percent. You know, Victor Robles is a top five MLB prospect. He's a much better fielder than Harper. And Soto exists now. I mean, Soto is a thing. Right. So you got, you got Robles, who's an immediate massive upgrade from Harper defensively. And Harper's got what? Like an 880 OPS, 820. I don't know what he has. It's not like, he's just not that valuable right now. And I mean, obviously the upside is off the charts for like a World Series contender, but Victor Robles with a huge plus in defense and base running, and he's also a really good prospect. I mean, I don't know if they even lose anything this year. They could still trade Harper and win the division still. If Strasburg were healthy and Robles is good, they could trade Harper and win the division, no problem. And obviously they have to play better than they played, but they got to do it. I, I think they should aim big, offer you know Harper for Forrest Whitley or an elite pitching prospect. Maybe Houston laughs at them because it's a rental, but... Yeah, yeah, that's the next question. I mean, Matt Adams, they have depth there too, so I totally get it, but that's the question. Adam Eaton, Matt Adams, Victor Robles, Juan Soto, Michael Taylor, they got tons of outfielders. So many, yeah. So, But would they get that top prospect, I guess, would be well, the next question. So you'd think no, right? Why would you trade Forrest Whitley for a rental? But Forrest Whitley was suspended this year. He had some oblique injury already, and pitching prospects routinely fail. And remember when uh, the Rangers, they traded Justin Smoke, who was like a top five prospect for Cliff Lee rental. Rangers made the World Series. And Smoke, it's no big deal. They, they didn't lose anything. Smoke is like a you know, replacement-level player. He had that one year last year, but he's not very good. So especially with pitching prospects, yeah, there's upside, but there's also downside. The Nationals get a, you know, a, an awesome lottery ticket that could be monstrous for them. And 
the Astros in the World Series have Correa, Altuve, Springer, Harper, Bregman, Gurriel. I mean, it's just a nasty lineup. Harper yeah. may hit five home runs in the World Series, and they'll be like, fine, we, we paid a prospect for him, but we won the World Series again. Right, for sure. I'm on board. Make that move. Now, I don't know if the Astros should do it. I mean, maybe they could give up Kyle Tucker, but they don't need an outfielder. They, they might be able to give up less than Whitley, but the Nationals absolutely should trade Harper. And I'd, I'd love to see it, but those nutless monkeys will never do that. Well, it, it here's the thing. It's like people are like, oh, why don't you trade Robles? Well, you're not going to trade Robles. Robles is cost-contained for six years. Harper next year may not even be worth his contract. He may be a losing right. proposition. So, oh yeah, moving forward, he absolutely might be a, a loss as far as the contract. So it's like you right. know, you're, you're talking about two months with a guy who plays much better defense as a much better base runner. You know, and it's not like Harper's got a 1100 OPS anyway this year. Right. I know it's 842. I looked up while we're right. talking. I mean, I mean, look, I would say his true level is probably 950 or something. Sure. Sure. You know, you got to look at the prior history, but even so, I mean, I, I think like you know, you're talking about a fraction of a win, maybe you know, in, in like projected war for two months and you get a, a major prospect. It's totally worth it. Yeah. It looks like Johnny Cueto is definitely getting Tommy John. So my giants are done and they should be, they should be sellers. You know, you know what's killing me is Bumgarner. I mean, they should trade uh, Bumgarner to a contender. Bumgarner. I just need him for two months to just be an ace, you know, just stop fucking around. He looked good Friday night. I was there. Okay. That wasn't his fault. Okay. I mean, he finally looked good. That Milwaukee offense is good, man. I mean, he, he needs he, to strike he, out 11 though. You know, he no, needs to I like, know. he needs to like, I mean, I, I've got Carrasco and Bumgarner is my, second and third round picks in the main event i'm in third place in that league the six walks the game before really had me worried but he, he did look better friday night but hey i mean i, I think it's quite clear bumgarner's peaked i mean there's no question about that so uh i hear you yeah when's the last time he struck out more than six batters strike in the game someone like, out man so, you know yeah i mean that's for that sure nutless, that nutless monkey needs to strike someone out yeah i hear you and that the giants offense is like i said they're probably going to be sellers so not great there, but uh, let's go over to some some football because I actually heard uh, your the XM show a little bit today, and I uh, I want to say you were a little bit off on the Ravens and Bills line. Talk about <laughs> that was embarrassing. I was that, embarrassing. That, 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 that was truly that was embarrassing. Anyone who knows sports betting, we, like you know, most people don't really get it, so they're like, ah, oh, whatever. But right. I was like, ooh, people who know sports betting is like, you're an idiot. You're truly an idiot. No one's off by seven points. And then, but I did. Did you hear that I said that you probably urinate during the national anthem? I did hear that, of course. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate it. So funny because you heard that the whole thing. Like Jerry Jones, he's like the most like cheerleader for like you got to stand for the national anthem. But he was he had his hat on during the national anthem a couple times. Didn't right. remove it even after it was pointed out to him that he's wearing it. Like, I loved your sarcasm during that segment, and I just was enjoying hearing the different types of readers. Uh, sorry, listeners throughout the country reacting to you during that whole thing. You were you know mocking it, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it was just like. He doesn't care. If Jerry Jones got his hat on for that thing, he's talking all this shit. He doesn't even care. He's got his hat on during it. You know, I'm like, do you ever urinate during the national anthem? You ever go and use the bathroom? Do you ever watch porn on your laptop while you're waiting for the game? I mean, I, I guarantee like most of America has urinated during the national anthem. You're urinating during it. All this dude do is kneeling. But you know, you know, the, the NFL really has won, and you know, Trump and whoever has won because nobody. You know what nobody's talking about? Police brutality. Nobody's talking about the whole reason. Like the whole thing is sort of like the, what, what should be talked about. What, what Kaepernick was aiming for people to talk about is how, how do we acknowledge and deal with this sort of obvious racial injustice where there's all these black people being gunned down by cops who most of whom, many of whom there's really no, you look at a video and you're like, this guy was not a threat and he wasn't doing anything wrong or, you know, he's just walking away or he's handcuffed or whatever. And so he was, he was sort of protesting that. And that is not even in the conversation anymore. It's should you stand? Should you kneel? 
Yeah. I rarely even hear that it's rarely talked about that even, you know what I mean? Like people aren't even, even me saying that it's rarely talked about is not talked about. It's just, what do we do? What is the NFL going to do? Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, this, that, are you a Patriot? Are you not a Patriot? Do you respect this? It's like, they have moved the conversation so far away, so far removed from what it was supposed to be. And that they've won. They've already won. Cause the, the whole idea of, do you sit, do you stand? It's, it's all about, a test of whether you, you know, support the country or something, but that's not what it was about at all. Well, and Kaepernick and Eric Reed are exiled literally in their primes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> to, yeah, and, to say and, they won would be an understatement. And they will never let either of those guys play again, especially Kaepernick. Now, I don't yeah. care how many quarterbacks get hurt. I don't care how Super Bowl quality their defense oh. is. They will never. They will never break ranks and sign him. They will never do it. None of the owners will do it. The owners would never forgive them if they did it. They would be a pariah among the other owners, and they're all such nutless monkeys. A badass owner would be like, hey, we need a QB, man. Our, our guy got hurt, and our team's good. Screw you. I don't care about this bullshit. No one cares about this. Right. Bring him in. But they will never do that. It is over for him. Right. No, I, I've jokingly bragged about Mark Garagos following me on Twitter before and threatening litigation with you, but uh, he, he is the guy that's suing you. He's representing Kaepernick in this case. And even he admitted, I heard on a podcast, uh, something very different than six months ago. He even admitted that, no, nah, there's not really a chance that he's going to be back in the league. And here's his lawyer saying that. There's he, no way. Those guys yeah, will never break. They will never bend to yeah, that. He's even admitted that. So, you know, it's unjust, but, you know, what, whatever. It's yeah. So speaking of being way off topic, you know, with the, the message. <laughs> yeah, I see how I did that. So far I did, I did from this that. line in which you predicted was would be a 13-point spread week one, Ravens at home to the Bills. That line is what? Six. It's only six. Yeah. I, I really, I thought like Bill touchdown off. That's not a big deal. Uh, yeah. That's like, that would be the difference of like Aaron Rodgers was playing or not for the Packers. Basically. It's like such a huge difference. Yeah. I, for some reason I thought the Ravens at home with, with the defense would be major favorites against a team. That's arguably one of the league's worst. You know, it's one of the doormats. They lost Tyrod Taylor. They got, you know, Josh Allen and uh, what's his name? Um, Nate Peterman and AJ McCarron. Those are the guys competing for the job. You know, McCoy, who knows what his status is. Offensive line lost some players. It's just a a terrible team. And it's on the road in a, in a nasty rough defense, but I guess Flacco sucks so much. And Lamar Jackson, if he were to win the job, it's his first game. And he's not like a polished passer that uh that it's six i mean i'm definitely laying the wood in that game but yeah, we're using this in the super contest but right. yeah that's pretty embarrassing i mean derek said nine and nine's pretty three points off is like a terrible miss Third, right. seven points off is just it's just amateur hour i mean it's it's bad it really is well this is the perfect talking point though because i actually want to ask you about a different and it's almost opposite of what you're saying now about the bills is you were kind of defending them and it's separately or you, you better explain it in a thread about them you know, yeah, talking oh, yeah. about making the playoffs last year versus uh, you know, moving forward. So I hear this all the time. I see this all the time on Twitter. You see, like some smart pundit who you know does the does the math is like you know rigorous, legitimate guy who does projections. And in their mentions, they'll be all you know they'll have like a team like the Bills sucking, like being five and eleven or something. And then of course, a fan of the team is like, "You you're a fucking idiot. You know nothing." You know, they made the playoffs last year. How can you put them at five and eleven? You know, all the stuff. And then the punter will be like, Well, dude, they they were like a minus fifty three differential in points scored. You know, like their net Y yards per play was terrible. Like they're not a good team just because they went nine and seven. Wins are not that predictive of wins the next year. And they'll have this kind of dumb argument. And and a couple things. One is if you're like a smart guy who's a pundit, don't I'm not don't do whatever you want. But to me, it's 
it's it's unimpressive as a follower of you and a you know a person who respects your stuff to see you taking on the lowest hanging fruit. It's just it's just you don't you know yeah you don't get saber metrics you know you're the dumb fan who likes this. To me, it's like that's not interesting to me to fight like the lowest common denominator. You know, like that's that's dumb. Um, so that's one thing. On the second level of it, though, I sometimes see these guys, and, and I, I can't remember if it was this week or before, and I've seen this. Someone will say something about like the Chargers, right? Because a lot of pundits, I liked the Chargers last year too. And like, oh, they'll make the playoffs, look how good they are, look at their yards per, net yards per play and all that stuff from 2016. And the Chargers did not make the playoffs last year. They were not that good. They had a run. They almost made it, but they lost to the Chiefs in that key game. And so the question is, well, so you're totally wrong about the Chargers if you thought they were going to make the playoffs. I was wrong about them. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cashback or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. But when you're confronted with that fact, you could say, well, I mean, come on, the Chargers were good last year. They had great yards per play, even better net yards per play, and they, they should have made the playoffs. They just were unlucky. It's like, oh, wait a second, wait a second. I thought your argument was that their yards per play predicted wins better than wins do. But actually, their 2016 wins, you know, they still didn't make the playoffs. Like, so if the, the argument is that they're supposed to make the playoffs because of their per-play performance is so good. And if that didn't happen, you can't go and like say, well, but their per-play performance was good again. That's not what we're arguing. You're moving the goalposts now. Now you're saying per-play performance predicts per-play performance. No one cares about per-play performance. It's just an indicator. We care about wins. We care about playoffs. We care about Super Bowls. So you can't, you can't use that as a defense. Well, I was wrong about the wins, but the per-play indicators were still good. No, you were wrong. That's it. If, if we bet on the Super Bowl and the team that I bet on wins and covers, the team you bet on loses and doesn't cover, you can't just be like, well, I, all the metrics were in their favor. You, you, know, you got lucky. You can say that, but metrics are predictive. So if there's some future event, Super Bowl II, another Super Bowl, a week after the Super Bowl, that really counts, that's really for all the marbles, then that would be a good argument. Then you could say, well, look at the metrics. I'm, I'm sticking with my pick for next week. But once the Super Bowl is over, it's over. That year is over. You lost. You were wrong. There's, the indicators go home once the event is completed, once the champion is crowned. And I, and I think you can't go back and like argue that you won on the indicators. Sorry. No good. I also hear arguments uh, about people saying, you know, say teams, say the Chargers are, are due for some regression luck this season because they were one in seven in one score games last year. When in reality, shouldn't we just expect them to be league average this season, right? It's not like they're really like due for some bounce back luck, right? You should just expect the mean. Right, or, but league average would go league. four and four or something, and that right. would have put them in the playoffs. If you would uh, have last year, but, yeah. I, but that doesn't affect them this year is what right. I'm saying. Well, if, they're if, saying if that, everything that, else is just as good as last year, and they go four and four in those games, they'll be in the right. playoffs, which is right. true. If The other right. thing that, that's interesting is so people say, okay, fine. You can even concede that. Fine, it's over. We stupidly settle the league on the Super Bowl. We don't settle it on yards per play during the Super Bowl or in the playoffs. We settle it on a small sample, one game of the Super Bowl. That's how we settle it. Okay, fine, you're right. If you got the Super Bowl winner, you're right. 
Okay, good. I'm glad we agree on that. But then they say, well, but you know, my process was really good. You know, I, I, I had the team that was most probable to win based on everything, and you just got lucky. It's fine. You won. You got lucky. And you think, okay, how do you know your process was good? Well, because I've got probability on my side. Most of the time, this is what happens. And it's funny because if you look at like the, the, the case with like blackjack and a casino and, and card counters, you know, you could be losing to a card counter, a lot of money as a casino, and be like, no, 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 uh, he's going to lose. We've got probability on our side. Trust me, our process is right. We've done the math in this game, and this game favors the house. 51-49, even against the perfect, you know, by-the-book player. Long-term, he's given us all his money back. All right, keeps winning. I'm starting to go bankrupt. What's happening? What's happening is, yeah, long-term by the book, that you beat them 51-49, but you're not beating count- card counters. They have the edge. So you might think that your model is really good and that your process was right, even though you keep losing, but you might... It might be right in general versus the average player, but it might be totally wrong in this one instance because you've got a card counter. And I think that like that's that's another trap that people fall into is it may be the case that a team like the Chargers should make the playoffs most of the time with those metrics. But what if there's something about them or something about this team some factor that you can't quantify? You don't know, and and you can't just you know. It does seem like that franchise is yearly too. You know what I mean? It's not just a one-year sample with that franchise. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's so many chokes in so many ways. Maybe it's just all fluky. It's not related. They're not no causal pattern. Ownership, management, the way the organizations run. The Patriots for years have just played far better defense in the red zone versus in between the twenties, and that typically isn't you know predictive moving forward. But so maybe, but maybe there is some secret sauce that they have a bend don't break. Yeah, you remember Babip and home runs per fly ball are lucky, but why is Marin Rivera among the pitchers with a thousand right. inning minimum first right. in both Babip and home runs per nine? Maybe right. it's not luck. All these things that are in general might be luck might not be luck in specific cases. You know, you have things like well, fumble recoveries are luck. Okay, those are mostly luck, but that doesn't mean all turnovers are luck. That doesn't mean forcing fumbles is totally luck. Some teams force fumbles. Some teams have practiced better ball security. Obviously, some quarterbacks are, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Alex Smith take care of the ball better than Eli Manning and Joe Flacco. You know, there's lots of there's lots of noise in turnovers. There's lots of noise in pitcher wins. But that doesn't mean it's all noise. That doesn't mean it's you know there's not some pattern. So I'm very wary of of people sort of claiming like, well, my algorithm says, and therefore, look, look, if it proves it right, great. Go put your money on it. If you can win money with good indicators, knock yourself out. Win as much money as you can. But if it doesn't go your way, don't go and point back at the indicator. <laughs> if, if your indicator is not pr- uh, producing a win, you can't say, well, but it produced more of the same. It produced more of itself. Yeah, for sure. No, totally interesting stuff. Going back to my uh, aforementioned video shoot, the uh, one guy I want to talk, going back to the Ravens as well. Now, your, your clothes are on, right? I mean, that's, that's important for the audience to understand. They, they will, the clothes, fully clothed, guaranteed. Right. Uh, I believe, although I think I'm only shot shoulders up. But uh, uh, talk yeah. about Lamar. It's not horror. It's not horror. The genre is fantasy sports, not horror, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, I promise. Uh, Lamar Jackson lists. Uh, I, I mean, I, pay, I, I think I'm going to talk about him as like a deep QB sleeper. I know maybe one QB leagues, uh, shallower leagues, he's off the radar. But this guy, I mean, could he not just go crazy? Uh, have you looked at his college stats? I'm curious. I did look at his college stats. And Mario, our college guy who really follows college closely, um, was like, this guy's a better runner than Michael Vick. I don't follow college, but I definitely trust uh, Mario specifically's uh, opinion, and I have read uh, very positive things. And just the running stats are video game like numbers. Like twenty touchdowns rushing in college per year. 
yeah, like two years ago, whatever, 19 years old, with 1,571 rushing yards, 21 scores. And last year, 1,600 rushing, 18 rushing touchdowns. So pretty ridiculous. Could be an absolute monster, even if he's... No, shallow leagues, this is who you draft. I mean, you, yeah, you, these are the, you draft him more than the, even I, I like Blake Bortles as well, as well, but more than a guy like that in one quarterback leagues. I think you draft him over Matt Ryan in a one quarterback well, uh, league because you can get any of those Matt Ryan kind of guys you know, for free in like a 10 team, one QB league, you want to have Lamar Jackson on your bench just in case he goes to Sean Watson plus. So I saw, I saw this uh, tweet from one of the Ravens beat writers and someone passed it along. Like Flacco's clearly the dominant number one starter in Baltimore. There's no competition here. He's, he's easily the best quarterback. And I started thinking, well, of course that's what they're going to say until the moment until the hammer drops. Because when you have your quarterback of 10 years, your franchise guy, you don't start saying, well, it's 50-50. We're not sure Flacco still can get it done. You don't undermine the confidence of that, especially when he's been as bad as he's been. the last. I mean, if you look at Flacco's numbers since he got paid, yeah, he's, yeah. he's the worst quarterback in the NFL getting paid the most until Rodgers and Stafford got more money. That's, you're not exaggerating. Since 2013, he's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL with the lowest uh, YPA in the NFL. By far, and the worst interception touchdown. Uh, the worst t- it's not Crazy. just YPA. If you were like old, you know, previous version of Alex Smith before he got really good, and you were just, or Teddy Bridgewater, someone who's just dink and dunking, but not throwing interceptions. Okay, there's something to that. It's not great, but it's something. He's throwing tons of interceptions and not many touchdowns, and he's got horrible YPA. I mean, he's literally been the worst quarterback in the league for four years and being paid so much. I mean, he should have been cut. You know, the fact that they drafted a guy in the first round is this athletic. I mean, if there's any hiccup, if Flacco just looks a little shaky, they need to, they need to pull the switch. And, but the reporters and the team is not going to say a damn thing until it's really until Flacco's truly done. They yeah, are just going to pretend like everything's fine because they have to because they don't want to sow any doubt in the guy they've had for 10 years. But I think like you know, a quarterback who didn't get paid that much would have been long gone, who hadn't won a Super Bowl would have been long gone 2 years ago after the 2013 he put up. I mean, that was one of the worst quarterback seasons of all time. Yeah, I mean, I want a lot of Lamar Jackson late in drafts, and I love this talk that, that's, that's out there that Flacco looks great. I think even Peter King said it, so that's going to be wide range, wide range. Peter King. So people are going to see that. So I, I'm glad because, man, Jackson could just be like, such a fantasy monster. How many of those Peter King types? And I don't, I don't want to shit on Peter King per se because I don't, you know, actually I think Jeff knew him a little bit from some league he was in, but I don't know him and I don't really follow him. But it's kind of like my assumption about those guys is they know Flacco. They know Harbaugh. They're friends with everybody in the circles. Once you're like a successful NFL quarterback, you probably know the reporters. Well, you've interviewed with them many times and it's just like, it just becomes like you're talking about your friend. You know, you're not talking about thousand percent. You're not talking about a guy who you're like, yeah, this is a ruthless competition and he's not that good anymore. You just don't say that about your friend. So those guys, I feel like their take is so slanted and so, it's almost worthless because of that. Totally. Um, I totally agree. And it, it, it definitely, I think that is, is, is the case mostly probably with Peter King the most. Um, anyway, you got anything else uh, sports wise to talk about? Not really. Yeah. I was, you know, last week I made the case for my guys like Leonard Fournette. I'm, I'm liking him even more. Maybe it's the endowment effect where I, just cause he's on my team now, but I keep, I'm like, yeah, I could I'm definitely taking him over Melvin Gordon. I'd have to think about it with, you know, Beckham or Hopkins now. Beckham looks healthy. I think Beckham may just have a monster year. People forget, like, Beckham has never had a play caller other than Ben McAdoo. Now, Ben McAdoo called a lot of targets for him, a lot of pass plays, but... Oh, they, and I heard they're going to line him up in the slot a lot more. I mean, that's, that could be huge. I just... He, he may just light it up. I saw a feature. I think it 
might have been Scott Barrett from Pro Football Focus. I apologize if it wasn't him and it was someone else. I'm not giving credit to, but that like they they showed like which which receivers are most cornerback proof. And Beckham he had a small sample because last year he got hurt, but he was number one. Antonio Brown was like number two, or I don't know, if he's two, but top five. Like some some receivers are very sensitive to who's guarding them. You know, if, if Xavier Rhodes is guarding you or. Sure. Know, Josh Norman or whatever it's like uh-oh you're not gonna yeah. have a big game but like Des Beckham Des Bryant was erased by elite cornerbacks all of last season right and I mean part of that I think was the Cowboys are so nutless in their play calling but Des is getting a little yeah, well, well having said that imagine if Beckham had a good quarterback throwing to him uh, but I mean I think Eli May without McAdoo's you know just a bad offensive line bad running game in McAdoo those backs actually Gallman and Darkwell weren't that bad last year it was just the line was good and the, the play calling was terrible Eli might be like Derek Carr level where still where like if the surroundings aren't bad, he can just be good enough to, you know, basically produce for a, you know, for like a a number one receiver. I was was talking about this on the radio show that I I wonder if the elite quarterbacks, the Rogers and the breeze, like obviously Jordy was a monster with Rogers, but he was never the number one. uh, He's number two, I guess. So it's pretty close, but they don't throw 175 targets to one guy ever. The top QBs, Brady, none of those guys do because they throw to the open man. So no matter how good their rapport is with Nelson or Brady and Edelman or any of these guys, that they will spread it around because a good quarterback can see the whole field and sees what's going on. Whereas an okay quarterback, he's good enough to deliver the ball accurately, but he's only got like two reads and he'll hit his favorite guys even more. So Eli hopefully still has that left in him, you know, where he's good enough to not throw the ball over Beckham's head or at his feet. And yet he's not like so sharp that he's going to be going through so many progressions. Paul Perkins, your boy, top 20 back again this year. <laughs> where is he? I think he's out of the league now. I don't know if he's alive or in the league, but yeah, I, I haven't heard much from him. Oh, but. one other thing, Marquise Goodwin, good buzz yeah. on him in camp. Yeah. My squad, Robbie Anderson. Oh, man, you're going to. Yeah, I know. Goodwin's burning uh, Sherman and looking good. Garoppolo, my guy. Yeah, a lot of talk about him struggling with the deep ball in practice, but he's staying after practice and working on it specifically with Goodwin. So I, I like the way he looks, and uh, even their rookie Pettis has made he's some. Not, he's not struggling with the deep ball in his personal life, though. Uh, no, he's not. Dating a porn star and had all kinds of TMZ following him now. Really living up to the to the hype here, Jimmy G. I, I love it. Uh, just I'm also too very very excited. The more I, I look into Robbie Anderson, as you said there. So yeah, those two. I told you, man. Those are that you made two good buys in Stopa. I, I was uh, you did make two good. What the other superstars I have on my team? Yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, it is. I do love the endowment effect, which is clearly just in front of everyone's eyes happening with you with Fournette. Because even at the time, you admitted you're so agnostic with the buy, and ever since then, you just can't talk, stop talking about how great he's going to be. Yeah, I was agnostic, and now I'm excited about it. Exactly. Right. I talk myself right. into it. Well, because you start reading up, you start seeing the For positive. Sure. For sure. No, I hear you. Um, well, that's pretty much all I got. Uh, I recommend everyone watch the Bruce Willis roast. It's on Comedy Central. I'm sure it'll repeat all week, just just one two-hour thing. And I'm, I'm a fan of those, as I should be. I, I'm, I'm roasted on this year' podcast by, by list basically weekly. But uh, Bruce Willis roast, super, super weird, uh, bizarre. Ed Norton gives a crazy speech, and I, and I recommend that. for the, That's my recommendation of the week. Uh, you got anything else, Liz? Not really. i got to edit this on the plane, get going, start packing. Well, so let's wrap, it, let's wrap it up short. All right, man. Have a, have a safe flight, and uh, yeah, see you when uh, you're, you're back in Lisbon. Yeah, I'll talk to you next week, man. Take care. All right. Later, Liz. Later. You're listening to a Real Man Wood podcast. If you like the podcast, you can give it five stars, make a comment. We always appreciate that. And you can also sign up for Rotowire. Rotowire.com slash pod is a free 10-day trial. You do not need a credit card. And if you do subscribe or even take the trial, you can join our Slack. You can, follow, you can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore Liz. You want to be part of the Real Man Wood 
Slack room. We'll be talking, uh, obviously, handicapping against the spread and all the other nonsense that we talk about here. Again, it's uh, at Chris underscore Liss on Twitter. If you're a subscriber to RotoWire or you're just taking the trial, RotoWire.com slash pod, you can get in the Slack room, talk uh, the picks that we have this this year. We're going to be back in the Super Contest. We'll talk about that quite a bit. So uh, I highly recommend that as well. All right. Talk to you next week, Don. All right. Later, Liss.